Woo, they don't call him the best in the world for nothing. Of course, you're being joined by the podcast champion. Oh, baby, tap that belt. Mm. That is I, the Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star. You know, talk about a couple of fucking double whammies, right? Like, <laughs> you have the big voting day and fuck voting. Of course, a lot of you patrons saw my, my post about that, which was actually public, but whatever. It seems like we've... It, you know, it really does feel like the whole non-voting segment of libertarianism or anarchism has just like, or, you know, the anti-electoral politics uh, aspect of that is is like dead. And what a pity, but whatever. I'm never going to change. Like, I'm, and I mean that. I am never going to change my mind on that. In fact, I remember somebody like kept hounding me. Yeah, but if you did vote, who would you vote for? And, you know, during the, the 2016 election and everything. And I don't know what the fuck they were expecting me to say. Uh, eventually, I, I said, you know, what I would have done. And they were not pleased with that answer because it wasn't Gary Johnson. It wasn't Hillary and it wasn't Trump. They did not like the answer that I gave. I mean, and it's just it's bullshit. Like to even like war game like that. What the fuck are you thinking? complete waste of time. And then, you know, all weekend, it feels like it pretty much started on Thursday, right? But Monday was the official day of recognition. Fucking Veterans Day. And, you know, longtime listeners of Sovereign Tech, you know the deal, you know the score. You know, I I am a technically a vet, okay? Uh, I was in the U.S. Army for some years. And, you know, fuck that shit, too. I, I hate that day. Like, I hate it with a passion you know it, it drives me nuts and and i mean fortunately now for me i don't you know i don't have to actually go to an office to work because when i used to go to an office to work everybody in the fucking building would come to my office or if it was my bench when i was a technician or something like that cuz everybody knew oh yeah brian's in the military oh decorated oh blah 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 you know he did this he did that and which look i i don't talk about it like it, it, in depending upon the place of work it was usually like uh you know my parents or or somebody you know a friend or something that that would tell other people about it and just you know, and you get the whole, oh, thank you for your service. And it's like, wow, you know, like, would you go thank an axe murderer? I mean, <laughs> I'm not an axe murderer. Well, you, you get my point. Like, I am in no way proud of my military service, not even remotely close, not for a second. And, you know, when you have whole holidays that are supposed to venerate this crap, oh, man, it, it's depressing. It's it's absolutely depressing. That's why, like, Monday, I didn't, you know, I didn't really release anything. I, I was tempted to write up, you know, an anti, you know, anti-war, anti-military screed. Um, and because you know, the dumb shit that happens is you get these idiot libertarians or I'm not saying all libertarians are idiots. I'm saying the idiot ones and these idiot anarchists. Obviously, I'm not saying all anarchists are idiots. Otherwise, they'd be calling myself an idiot. Come on, say, oh, I want to thank all the the private uh, uh, you, you know, defense forces and all this. And it's like, shut up. You know, <laughs> the very concept of like these, you know, of, of lethal of enforcement via lethal force in any body that engages in that, like that very concept is a problem. Do you understand? I don't care if they have a badge granted by a government or a badge granted by a CEO. 
it's a problem. It's not something to be, I mean, you could say that we need it for now. You, you know, people can try and make that argument. All right. But don't tell me, like, don't, don't even, don't bother venerating it. You know, I mean, Einstein had it right. Like you're, you know, if you're in any kind of military, I don't care if you're a fucking Merc or whatever the fuck you are, you know, I mean, you're the lowest life on earth. And I've had plenty of people. I, I, there are service people in the military at present or recently at present that have emailed me. I talk about this all the time, 17 emails that I've gotten over the years of this show where they say, no, you know what? You convinced me I'm out. I'm done. I'm not even going to pretend anymore. It's over. No more military for me. Fucking right. Damn straight. You go and you do that. You have that courage and you say, fuck this shit. And you walk or whatever. If you want to finish out your tour, like, you know, I understand that. And, and other things like I, I I really, I've had plenty of people when I was on free talk live, people would call in about it and I would talk about it, you know, with them and they'd say, what do you do? And I say, no, go ahead, finish out your tour. Like get, you might as well fucking take those bennies, you know? And, and you know, if you don't have to go away, well, don't. All right. But if you feel strong enough, like if it's really hitting you that hard, I mean, because there's a lot of different jobs in the military. You could be a pencil pusher or you could be a child pusher or who the fuck knows what or a drug pusher for fuck's sake. If you have, you know, if you if if your convictions hit you and you got to go away, well, then fine. You do that, too. Yeah. So fuck Veterans Day. Like, just just fuck it. You know, it was so great. I really needed to do there. There's some things that that actually dropped today uh, that might have. I did the Star Trek update yesterday, and there's some stuff that dropped today that would have been great to talk about on this month's Star Trek update, because right now, December Star Trek update looks really loaded. And you could say, what the fuck does this have to do with anything? Well, let me tell you what it has to do with things like it is. Star Trek is absolutely my comfort zone. And to be able to talk about that and dive deep on that and whatever the day after such a horseshit day like Veterans Day. Good. Damn Skippy. I'll do that. I needed that. So anyway, (laughs) you know, let me mention a couple of those things. Boy. About uh, that, that 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 came up with Star Trek. That Star Star Trek versus Transformers comic book, fucking dynamite. And no, it's made by IDW, not Dynamite Comics, but <laughs> but fucking dynamite. This is one of the best Star Trek comic series I've read in a long time. It is so much fun. Uh, I mean, there's great Star Trek comic series out there, and they they kind of hit harder the more you rewatch Discovery because a lot of the comic series have been based on Star Trek Discovery. It's been tremendous. Uh, Anyway, there was, speaking of Star Trek Discovery, um, one of uh, Discovery's really, I think, top talents that doesn't get enough credit, which is uh, Mary Chifo, who plays Lorel, who's now Chancellor Lorel, the Klingon High Council. She put up a video today of her in this very interesting, she's in full, full makeup. You know, she's got her hair. She's got the, you know, the ridges on the forehead. She's in full Lorel outfit. It looks like she's on the Discovery might be the enterprise but i'm guessing she's on discovery and she's wearing this like black and red dress very very slick i mean almost looks vampirish but uh or vampiric but it it, i mean really really nice and she's like dancing to demi lovato in it (laughs) but it's pretty amazing i mean you gotta understand like we've only really had one uh, you know very few shots of anything happening certainly with the klingons anyway in um 
you know, it, as far as what's coming up with Discovery Season 2. And so this is worth it just to see, like, another aspect of Laurel. But then the really interesting thing is, is that about a minute into the video or so, uh, Ash Tyler, you know, the character of Ash Tyler, played by what Charizard, whatever the fuck his name is. I think that's a Pokemon, but <laughs> we're, we're going to run with it. All right. My fucking show. <laughs> but he he walks in and he's a full beard and he's wearing a Starfleet uniform again. Uh, but he's clearly in season two garb, you know, and obviously Laurel has hair. So this, there's no question this is from season two. So is Ash Tyler going to join Starfleet again? I don't know. Anyway, we talked about a lot of uh, different things yesterday on the Star Trek update. If you didn't listen to that, you would definitely want to check that out. Um, I just I have such a great time talking about Star Trek. And, and I really do want to get it to where there's more regular co-hosts in the Star Trek update. Um, I'm still figuring out what exactly that would end up looking like. But, you know, Sovereign Tech's always looking to expand. So we'll see. But anyway, um, yeah, so interesting stuff happening with Star Trek, uh, as as always. I think there there was there were some other announcements. Oh no no no, that had to do with Star Wars, which we'll talk about on the Star Wars update. But fuck, did I think it was hot as hell that Gina Serrano is going to be in the new Mandalorian show? Oh, you bet your goddamn ass. I, I will. I've I've been nuts over her since American Gladiators, and I mean really, like wow, go watch that from '08 when when Hulk Hogan was hosting it and everything. That was tremendous. I loved American Gladiators back. In, someday I'm gonna. You know what? For a climax, I'm going to do a review uh, of American Gladiators at some point because I think that's worth talking about. I am such a fan. Like I, I like watching the the really old ones, and I watched them when as a, as a kid. I watched the old ones all the time too. You know, with Nitro and Turbo and all those guys and everything and the gals. Uh, that oh fuck, I thought that was uh, that was awesome. In fact, I do it for episode 302's climax, but I already have uh, something to talk about for the episode 302 climax. I watched a a documentary. We're going to get into your questions. We got great questions to get into. Um, I watched a documentary called The Commodore Story, which I think came out in 20, might have been this year, but or maybe it was 2017 that it came out. And it's really telling the entire story more or less from the pet, which is the original Commodore computer. Um you know, Jack Tramiel, the whole thing, like with originally with the pet, then to, you know, the Vic 20, even though they didn't, they really brushed over the Vic 20. They didn't talk about the Vic 20 for long at all. They went to the Commodore 64 pretty quickly. And then they talked about the Amiga, you know, the Amiga 500, the Amiga 1000, Amiga 2000, so on um, after that. And there was some brief mention of the Commodore 128 and so on. Um, the, this is almost, or maybe it was a little over two hours as far as the documentary goes. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll let the cat. I'm going to go in depth on it during the climax of this week's Prime episode. But I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't bother watching it. Like, there's some interesting stories here and there. It sure as fuck ain't worth two hours. Like, there's a lot of filler in there. There's a this is probably a Kickstarter documentary. I'm not exactly sure. I'll find out probably before I uh, talk about it on the climax. But I was really displeased with something that has as much. I mean, they talked to a lot of the people involved with Commodore. You know, they did. But with with so much history and so much going for it, there really there should have been a lot more details, finer points discussed with it. And and like I said, I feel like there was a lot of like really just kind of ridiculous filler um, involved. Now, one has to be careful. What rights can you talk about as far as things go with the Commodore and so on? Uh, yeah, that that can become, uh, you know, a bit of an issue here and there. But anyway, something I want to bring up, you know, talking about that, uh, something I'm not disappointed as far as the Commodore goes. First off, uh, I, I still love my C64 Mini. Um, 
In fact, it's in the BDSM studio here, and it's plugged into the uh, the big monitor behind me almost all the time. Um, in fact, the day after uh, this gets released, this episode, this Q&A, your Sovereign Tech Patreon only Wednesday Q&A gets released, um, I will be doing my... Uh, we'll be doing our live Q&A hangout and I might just have the C64 mini running in the background, you know, because I do that with full video, the hangout. And and there's always the screen behind me. Usually there's matrix code or a star field or something going on behind me. Um, this time there, there, I might actually like just have like the C64 kind of running, uh, in the background because it just looks so cool when it does that. Um, but something uh, that got actually sent to me that is absolutely beautiful and I'm totally pleased with besides the C64 mini, even though I think this is relevant to it. Um, there is, you know, in Europe, people forget a lot about in America anyway, in the United States and the colonies, as I like to call it on sovereign tech, um, People forget that there was a huge independent computer industry in Europe, you know, throughout the entire PC revolution, um, you know, where we were dealing with IBMs and everything as to where over there, you know, they're dealing with, uh, you know, Sinclair, right? With ZX, you know, with those computers or even game machines like the ZX Spectrum and so on. Uh, The Commodore 64 was wildly popular in Europe, wildly popular. I mean, let's be clear here. The Commodore 64 is literally the best-selling computer of all time. Um, and that's for good reason, because it could, it was so adaptable and there was just so much software for it and everything. I mean, it was really, really fucking brilliant in its day. Um, and I don't know what this, I don't know what it is. I don't know. It, there's something funny. Okay. I want to talk about this. Like I said, we will get into your questions. All right. But I want to, I want to talk about this for a minute. There's something very odd that like one of my favorite magazines uh, that I read to this day is a retro gamer. You know, it's been around for a few years, whatever. I have no idea why in the United States there is not a magazine, uh, a comparable magazine here like that. In fact, there is almost nothing in America as far as magazine wise, or that is some kind of uh, annual publication that celebrates really the retro community. I mean, it just doesn't fucking exist. And it, it's it's funny. I mean, you know, most like, you know, you think of the game magazines or whatever that exists right now, whatever gets pushed out there. Um, it's all about the new stuff. The weird thing is, is that in Europe, the retro magazines sell fine. It's the newer ones like Games TM or whatever. Those are the ones that, that cover all the new games. They're the ones that get shut down. They, you know, they have to shutter their doors. But all the retro magazines, you know, live on no problem. And there's tons of these in Europe. Uh, and, and throughout Europe's history, there's been tremendous, uh, I mean, you can't call them even fanzines. I mean, they're just stunning. Uh, one of the more popular uh, magazines that had been around for a while was Zap64 uh, back in the day. This was, you know, this was like the, the Nintendo power of the Commodore 64, effectively. Um, in Europe. Now, interestingly, and I think this was also part of a Kickstarter, but you can get it independently as well from uh, retro or fusion retro books, which I think they're kind, I don't, they're not related to retro gamer, but they kind of are. I, I, I think anyway, I don't know what that whole business structure looks like. Um, but anyway, they came out with a annual for 2019. Um, and, and you can get your hands on this and it, it I got one sent to me and it, it is beautiful. Uh, and it covers the beautiful thing is, yes, it covers the history of Commodore. Of course, Retro Gamer did a great they did an actual entire book about the Commodore 64, which is one of the best books um, on the computer itself. But they like like this. This is just loaded with the amazing thing is, is this is this new issue or this annual 2019 annual of uh, of Zap 64, all about the Commodore 64. That's all it's about. 
is covering all new games and content for the Commodore 64. And it's huge. I mean, yeah, granted, it's only comes out once a year. You know, if it's even going to come out in 2020, we don't know. But that's amazing to me. Uh, and it's amazing that something like this can actually sell and do well somewhere in the world, uh, particularly, you know, Europe, which is still part of, uh, you know, that that very odd notion known as uh, Western civilization, which who the fuck knows what that even means. But anyway, I, yeah, I don't get it. I, I like a part of me almost wonders. And I know I have British listeners and if you want and British patrons, if you want to try and like if you have some insight into your culture as to why this is such a thing, like a part of me wonders is that I know a lot of media publication, television and otherwise, uh, as far as I know, is very much funded by taxes. And I kind of wonder if because it's guaranteed money, they feel a little more comfortable being risky, (laughs) you know, with like with with, uh, you know, what kind of bullshit they're going to publish. And they pretty much found out that, well, the retro community is where the money's at. And so they, they just, you know, somehow they can do this as to where in, you know, in, a, in the United States, um, all media. And we kind of talked about this a little bit in episode 301 of Sovereign Tech Prime. Got to be careful about that because, you know, this is episode 302 of Patreon, <laughs> but 301 of Prime. Um, I kind of talked about at the beginning, like, I don't think that there's an honest journalistic institution out there. It's literally all advertising. This cannot possibly be advertising like 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 retro gamer and all that. You're talking about shit that's been around for 30, 40 years. You you're lucky if you can buy some of the games that are even fucking being talked about. It's not advertising. And that's why I love it, because it feels so honest. I mean, yeah, there's you know, there's magazine ads in, in it and everything. Sure. I mean, that's that's, you know, nature of the business, I suppose. But like the content itself, none of it feels like an advertisement because you, why would you advertise this? You can't sell it. And I don't know, I don't know why it, it it seems like the kingdom turned upside down in the United States where everything is just about new. And honestly, every fucking publication, every book, every interview, every go down the goddamn list, everything is just marketing. Everything is an advertisement. Nothing is really about passion for whatever the fuck the magazine or or journalistic institution or whatever claims to be passionate about. It's just not, you know, and and it shows when you read something like this little book, uh, or I mean, it's not little. This is a big, it, looks, it almost looks like a yearbook, you know, from high school. Uh, but Zap, that's two Zs, Z-Z-A-P, uh, exclamation point 64. Um, but Zap 64 annual 2019. It is beautiful. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'll be reading this for years. And the best part is, is that like, because it's not the internet and you don't have to go hunting for things, you can just flip through this and you find out about all these great games that I get to load on my C64 Mini. It's fucking awesome. I should probably be talking about this on our new podcast series for the $5 patrons, which is Game Talk, but fuck, I'm talking about it here, uh, and I'm actually putting the book back if it sounds like my uh, my voice is coming from the side because, you know, I record this shit live. Oh, look at that nice Batmobile book. Oh, I wonder where that came from. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> you never want to have dead air. Always keep talking, even if it seems asinine or inane. Okay, keep talking. Not that I think anything I ever say is asinine. Well, I've made an ass of myself a few times. Not that that's what asinine means. Woo. All right, let's get into your questions finally. 
But also, just a quick reminder that um, if you do want to help out the show, you're already a patron. You're doing so much, and I, and I am so honored. Uh, but if you want to help out more, of course, there is the Amazon wish list um, where there is equipment that is needed for Sovereign Tech to continue to, like I was saying earlier, grow. Um, you can just go to wishlist.sovereigntech.com, and that'll get you your hookup. It'll take you right there. And uh, anyway, thank you in advance. I know some of you have already purchased stuff off of that. I really, uh, really, really appreciate it. So, okay, let's, uh, let's get on with our questions here. And the first one, so I got the question, it was actually in episode 301 of Sovereign Tech Prime uh, about Quad 1, which is, you know, the DNS, uh, uh, you know, resolver, which is 1.1.1.1 from Cloudflare. Uh, that is very fast, claims to be the fastest out there. Of course, that depends on whether or not you live right next to your, your ISP. <laughs> but in general, it's, it's a fair claim to make that it's, it's about the fastest. Um, and, you know, the question was, had I talked about it before? Had I heard of it? And I said, you know, as I said in episode 301, I was like, yeah, no, I, I, I have heard of it, um, you know, and I've, I've talked about it before. I think the reason that it got asked about me is that, like, I find out the day after I record, that there is a Cloudflare 1.1 or Quad 1, I'm going to call it Quad 1. There's a Cloudflare Quad 1 mobile app for iOS and Android now that will effectively route your, um, you know, well, not effectively, it does. It routes your your internet, you know, your data traffic on your phone, on your mobile device, I should say, because this could work for iPads, on your mobile device, uh, you know, through Cloudflare's DNS resolver, through Quad 1. And, you know, so anyway, somebody asked me about that. It's like, well, what do you think of the app and whatever? And, you know, they kind of went down the list on everything and they said how Quad 9 doesn't have an app. Okay, so what do I think about this? Um, I think it's great. I mean, it's just an app you can install and it it's instantly trafficking everything through Quad 1 dynamite, you know, for iOS and for for Android. Um, there are, I do have some problems with it, though. Like, I, I think it's great in the abstract, but there are some issues. One is, is that it uses, it, I mean, it doesn't exactly use a VPN, and it's not a VPN, but it uses the connection, it, you know, it uses the capabilities of iOS and of Android to allow for, you know, alternative connections like a VPN. It uses that, you know, that aspect of the operating system to connect to Quad 1 and to route everything through Quad 1. So what's what's the problem with that? The problem is, is that if you want to run a VPN, an actual VPN, like private internet access or air VPN, you know, something like that, if you actually want to run that on your mobile device, and that's a fine thing to do, I do it a lot. You can't. You're, you'll have to disconnect. I mean, you can easily turn off Quad One, you know, the app, um, you know, on your phone or tablet, and then just connect with your VPN. But do understand that you can't run both. Uh, I guess you could argue it would have been nice to have been able to run both, but so well. Here's where things get interesting. Okay, so I'm not like the biggest expert on iOS. At some point, I should probably change that. Uh, so I'm not sure if exactly what iOS allows for, certainly like with iOS 12, which boy, did everybody hear about that phone that blew up as soon as it updated to 12? <laughs> oh, <hey>, Apple, <laughs> you are on fire. Oh, wait. Oh, shit. No, not like that. You don't want to be on fire like that phone. <laughs> anyway, it's an iPhone uh, 10 and it, whew, another dream goes up in smoke, as Sammy Hagar would say. 
Uh, so anyway, I'm not exactly sure how this works in the latest versions of iOS, but in the latest version of Android, that being Android Pie, Android 9, which I happen to have um, running beautifully on my uh, Nokia 6.1, um, there is, it's very easy within the settings to route all your traffic through whatever DNS resolver you want. Uh, so I, I looked into this feature and this is a, I mean, like the Cloudflare app, the Quad One Cloudflare app is great if you're not running Android 9. If you're running Android 9, just go ahead and plug it in manually. And it's not hard to do. I mean, like you could literally type in DN, you know, you could open up your settings, right? Which every, I think everybody that has a smartphone at some point knows how to open up settings. Go to the search box at the top, type in DNS, and it will come up again with Android 9. And there will be a section. Do you want automatic? Do you want manual? You know, what do you want? And it gives you the choice. And you can put in the four digits of whatever DNS resolver you want to run with. Um, and like I have right now, I have my smartphone going through Quad 9, not Quad 1. Um, I am more of a fan of Quad 9. I'm not saying there's anything wrong. If you want to run Quad 1, go ahead. But, uh, but you know, I prefer to use Quad 9. And so anyway, you can just set it. You don't need this app at all. And with this you know, doing it this way in Android 9 allows you to still run your VPN without having to, you know, switch through a bunch of different uh, apps. And I mean, and that is a thing, you know, granted, I am all about, you know, what some people would call slow computing. You know, if you have to go through a few extra clicks to have the security and whatever else you're doing that you want, I don't mind if it takes a few clicks like that's okay with me. I get it. Uh, But one of the nice things about Android is that you can configure the quick functions on the top drop down menu. Okay. And one of those quick functions that I will, you know, cause you can adjust which ones appear like, do you have airplane mode there initially? You know, what do you allow for? One of the quick functions that I always put there is for my VPN. So I can just very quickly, you know, bring down the, you know, just, just flick my thumb at the top. Um, and, and just hit the, hit the little, you know, uh, symbol for private internet access. And it instantly, uh, connects me to, you know, to my VPN without having to open the app at all. And I have all my settings initially, uh, you know, all set up within the app when I first install it. So that's how I like to do things, you know? And so I can understand where, you know, you want to go through as few clicks as possible. So this is where it's handy to set up a, your DNS resolver you know, in the, in the operating system itself and not rely upon an app that does it for you automatically. Now, like I said, there's only, or like I've told you before, there's only six, seven phones tops that actually have Android Pi that actually have Android nine running on them. I mean, very, very few. Okay. So, you know, because of that, yes, having an app that does the business for you of connecting you to quad one and securing, you know, and, and, uh, you know, your, your, well, your web surfing and yeah, I mean, just having that all set up instantaneously and, and it's like one, you know, one press of a button. Great. You know, I think that's wonderful because again, most people aren't running Android nine where they can do that. Um, but I would caution that I think it's important right now. My opinion, as far as smartphones go, and I get asked this all the time. I've, I think I've already covered it twice this year in 2018. So we're going to wait till 2019 to really talk about it again. Um, but I think the most important thing with a smartphone is to make sure you have a smartphone that is getting the latest software updates or security patches because, you know, now like with Android, I mean, this is true for Apple or, or, you know, or Android, whatever. Um, 
like Google now, ha- or Google, not Google now, but Google now has it where, you know, the security patches can be separate from the actual, man- what the manufacturer updates are. Okay, so you can get the latest, uh, you know, various, you know, like the October updates or the November updates or something. You can get those pretty much right away. I mean, as long your manufacturer still kind of has to put that out there, uh, they're kind of in charge of the release, but at least it's not as complex as sending you an entirely new version of Android to give you the latest security patches. Okay. But I think right now, I mean, the smartphone is in many ways already a losing battle and it's been a losing battle for a long time. Ever since I did the first dark Android episode, it's been a losing battle. Um, so, but if you have to have a smartphone, well, then for fuck's sake, make sure you're getting one, again, be it iOS or Android, that is getting either the latest versions of iOS or the latest versions of Android. And you need, you, I mean, the security updates are great, and the security patches are great, but we're finding out more and more, oh, shit, like, like there are exploits that affect and that are pretty critical that affect every Android phone except for phones running Android 9. But like I said, there's only six or seven of those, if that. So get if you know if you're in the market for a new phone or whatever like the the single most important thing you can do either get a phone that can run lineage OS very well and gets updated often by the lineage community that's a fine thing to do or you you know you just fucking make sure that it's an android phone or again an apple phone that is that is still able to get the absolute latest updates uh and and it's still true for ios even if it does make your phone explode um <laughs> believe me i i know it happened with samsung we we all know that story okay but i you know I'll, i'm happy to make fun of any tech giant at any given moment uh no matter who it is i don't play favorites here so uh yeah so get you know if you're again if you're looking for a new phone get a phone that gets that gets regular updates and gets the latest versions of android that is so important right now uh you know and maybe the most important thing when it comes to a phone today uh maybe you have questions about that feel free to ask me if you think somehow i'm saying something in contradiction i am happy to explain myself uh if you feel so but yeah so the cloudflare app it's it's great but if you have android 9 uh don't bother just set it up manually and if you want to go with quad one, go with quad one, or you can set up quad nine and, you know, rock and roll. So, okay, uh, let's get on to uh, another question here. This question is actually from, uh, from Jim Jesus, of course, of the, uh, the Lulberts. Uh, he says, I have three questions regarding discord. Now, funny thing is he actually only has two, only two questions, but don't tell him. <laughs> he says, why haven't you considered Discord as a way for you to reach out to non-patrons and sexy post? Uh, sexy post referencing, like, I like to share sexy art and, you know, everything else. Could you check the, and that's that's question one. The second one is, could you check the officially unofficial Sovereign Tech Discord for questions uh, since Patreon sucks on mobile? Yeah, you know, I've kind of noticed that the Patreon does sort of suck on mobile. It's getting a little bit better, especially for creators. Like, now I can actually do posts um, with, with the mobile app, which believe it or not, I was not able to do before. Um, that's, that's kind of nice, but I do notice that like, if I'm listening to an episode on Patreon through the Patreon app, it sometimes the Patreon app will just like stop. It'll disappear, you know, from memory. It, it's the weirdest fucking thing in the world. So, and it is a pain to reply and everything on like within the sound, they, they don't have the social aspects of it, uh, really optimized well on mobile. I, I have to agree with you about that completely. Uh, but anyway, so yes, um, to, to answer your second question, 
I absolutely will. Maybe the third question was somewhere else. But anyway, I absolutely will look into because I mean, I am on I do have a discord account. Um, I am in the officially unofficial sovereign tech discord, which I think Jim Jesus himself set up. Uh, And yeah, I will look in there for questions. That's that's fine, because actually I, I keep Discord open all the time and I have it on my smartphone as well. I mean, it's, it's always there. Um, I just don't you know, I don't often look. But, yeah, I will look there for questions. Uh, no problem. And so anyway, uh, but to, to answer the first question, why haven't you considered Discord as a way to reach out to non patrons and sexy posts? Look, I have no problem with Discord. I actually approve of Discord. I think it's a wonderful, fine and dandy thing. It's nay a miracle. Like. I feel like in either 2016 or 2017, it it just like blew up out of nowhere. Like suddenly everybody was talking about it. Now, I'm sure a lot of that was paid placements, right? Because, again, there's no real there's no real media journalism in the United States. Everything is, is you know, native advertising. I imagine there's a lot of paid placements, but Discord delivers, you know, and, it, and it's it, it's a great little project. Um, I, you know, I haven't I have had no issue with any of their actions or anything. I mean, you're running servers wherever, you know, it's not exactly distributed, but it, you know, it does the job. And, and it's if there were a modern IRC, it's probably it. And I, I do like the feel of that because I love IRC and I still run on Freenode. I still run, uh, you know, the Sovnet room, you know, ha- hashtag or number symbol, whatever, SOV. NET. Uh, I still run that and you'll see Lord Sovereign there. That's been my IRC handle for a while. Um, I mean, like years. <laughs> okay. So, but yeah, I, I do look in, uh, you know, I can look in the Discord channel and I do want to do the favor of maybe this is the third question. Uh, I am happy to promote actually the Discord channel because I do want a place where all, where, you know, people can, can get together that isn't playing into one of the tech giants. I think that that's great. So there is a link in the appendix for this very episode and they will be, it'll be in just about every episode from now on, uh, depending, well, depending upon what kind of episode it is. Uh, it'll be in the Sovereign Tech Prime episodes as well. And I will mention it on the Sovereign Tech Prime episodes that there is a officially unofficial, it's not run by me, uh, Sovereign Tech you know, Discord server that you can connect to. The link is in there. You can use that link and you can get in. I guess, you know, again, I don't really run it, but but I found the link and, you know, I'm sharing it with you if you want to be a part of it. And I will look there for uh, for questions. And I, you know, I do see some activity in there. I, I see activity in there and I think that's great. I'm, I'm glad you, you, you know, you guys, gals and Z's are connecting. I, I, that's dynamite to me, um, you know, and, and this is Discord is, again, like it, it, it sits well with me. You know, uh, now I guess I didn't answer the first question. So why don't I actually post in there just in general? I, I'm just not feeling like interacting with social media in general. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll call it straight right now. Uh, you know, I'm going like right now, I'm actually going through quite a bit. Um, I'm not going to spend much more time on that, but bottom line being is I don't, I don't even really have the time you know, to, to, to like really engage on social media. Like I don't, I think we talked about this last week. I don't, uh, I don't even post on Instagram anymore, you know, and that was a personal channel and I, I don't post on that or a personal account. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't really interact much with anyone through, through any of those venues. I mean, I have signal, I have tele- telegram, you know, but, and you're free to try and reach out to me through those, you know, I'm not, not, not opposed. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, it's just, I am so ridiculously, I've I've said this before, it's almost insulting to say that you're busy, just for a person to say that they're busy, because it's inferring that the other person is not. 
and that somehow like they aren't as worthy of your time or something like that. And that is absolutely not the truth. Like the Sovereign Tech patrons are worth many, 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 whatever unit of measure you like of my time. Okay, you absolutely are. And so I don't want to say that I'm busy, but uh, it's the only term I have right now. I am just ridiculously fucking busy. Uh, It's (laughs) and, and, and just trying to, yeah, make certain things happen and yeah that's 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 where i'm at so that's the only reason i don't really use discord if in the future you know things settle uh better as far as what's going on for me then i might uh you know engage in on some social platform of some kind and discord would be a fine one to do um and perhaps i will so we'll see but anyway that that that's what you got and you know, but I, I will I will gladly promote and I will look there. I will keep an eye on it to look for questions and whatever, uh, you know, because you're, you're totally right. Patreon, like I'm glad the social aspects are there, but they are they do feel still like a bit of an afterthought, even though it is great that they're there. Um, you know, I mean, just just quick on the Patreon thing. And like I said, there, you know, now there's the five dollar tier and you get specific episodes that you only get within the five dollar tier uh, of Patreon. The RSS feed system that Patreon has running is like, I just want to talk to someone there and say, okay, like, how are you pulling this off? (laughs) Because, because they don't change the feed, right? Like, as far as I know, they don't change the RSS feed necessarily that, that gets sent to you unless they do. What, like when you become a $5, you know, when you become a dilettante of the triple black arts and the reward tier $5 and you get these new episodes, um, like somehow they just know to push it through. I mean, I, I know how they know because it's attached to an account, but like somehow they have that one feed like alter to what gets shifted through. I mean, it's brilliant. I, I can imagine how it's done, but I'd like to hear from them how it's actually done. Uh, again, believe me, I really fucking wish someone in the cryptocurrency space and look, I don't have the time to build it. I don't. But I really do wish someone who and there's lots of people I know who are in the space who have tons of fucking time. OK, Uh you know, like I'd love it if they would build something that gives you the functionality of Patreon, but is based around cryptocurrency. I would be your first signer, you know, and I would I would jump on it and I would hell if you wanted, I'd even make it exclusive there if you really want it, but you gotta build it. So and it has to have all those features. Not not the Snapchat like features. Fuck those. I don't give a shit about that. But like the RSS feed and everything, like that and social, some of the social features, you gotta have that. And the private messenger, it's just it's too good. So all right. Anyway, hope I answered that, but do look look in the show notes uh, for the the link to join the officially unofficial Sovereign Tech Discord server, and it'll be in show notes for just about every episode from now on, Prime and Patreon. Uh, so, and thank you so much for setting that up. Like, I, I really do appreciate that. Uh, but all right, so let's get on to, I guess, our last question, and then uh, we, of course, we do have our... Uh, woo, we got a hell of an album of the week that uh, you won't see coming. <laughs> I mean, you, you just won't. Uh, so, okay, here, here it is. Uh, hi, Brian. I'm in need of your, this is the question, our last question. Hi, Brian. I'm in need of your history slash theology expertise. Thank you. This is my favorite thing to talk about. Just about. Uh, next to sex. <laughs> I'm writing a play. Ooh, bravo. And the first half is a dream that takes place in 1600s New England. Oh, what a place. Two women are discussing the role slash treatment of women in that society, and I wanted one of the women to compare Lilith and Eve. Would a Puritan New England woman have ever heard of Lilith? 
Looking at the Lilith Wikipedia article, it looks like probably not. If one of the women had heard of Lilith, uh, where would she where would she have heard of her? What texts would she need to have or have read? Thanks. You can answer this in the Q&A and et cetera. Anyway, so, um, yeah. Okay, I, I love this question. Like, brilliant fucking question. So, for those that don't know, Lilith, I think we talked about this in last week's Q&A a little bit, which is maybe where the question came from. Uh, and just a, just a dynamite patron. Thank you so much uh, for, for how long you've been supporting the show. But, anyway, um, yeah, so as far as L- with Lilith, I'll, I'll answer this here. So, Lilith is this... <sighs> how to explain Lilith Lilith is claimed or will later be claimed. Okay. To be the first wife of Adam. Eve would not actually be the first wife. Now, if you listen to user podcast episode one in the beginning, I talk about how in Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two, Genesis chapter one has a different creation story than Genesis chapter two does. And yes, it does. Okay. (laughs) Now, some people, you know, one of the claims is that the man and woman created in chapter one, which is very skimp on details compared to chapter two on details of what's happening on earth. It has plenty of details about God, almost like it's talking about a different one, but regardless, um, that, that in chapter one, they're actually talking about Lilith. So, okay, now that's supposition. That's, that's, you know, you don't know that because it doesn't, it's not making the claim there. The word Lilith in the Bible, in Torah, and it's not in the New Testament at all, so we don't need to talk about that. Okay, uh, only occurs once, just once, in the book of Isaiah. In fact, it's chapter 34, uh, verse 14, I think. And it's going down this list of animals. There's like six or seven, six or seven, I don't know, something like maybe eight animals that are being described as effectively unclean or something to worry about. Okay. And if you're reading it in the King James, I think the King James version calls it the night monster. And you're like, or, or no, maybe calls it like some kind of owl or something. But anyway, it often in English, it gets translated as the night monster. The actual word used there is Lilith. We don't know what the fuck Lilith is, what a Lilith is. And in fact, if you get to, I mean, and it gets stranger. Okay. Because Lilith is usually attributed to being one person, one woman. All right. Uh, And she is, you know, kind of the, the, the Midrashic story, you know, kind of the Jewish folklore that exists around the character of Lilith is that she was the first wife of Adam. Uh, she was made at the same time as Adam, which Genesis chapter one would suggest that the man and woman were made at the same time. It's not until chapter two that there's this whiff of, you know, that, that, uh, that the woman is made after the fact. Okay, and there's I explained last week, you can listen to it. I talked about kind of like the three wives of Adam and 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 yeah, like in some cases there's three and, you know, what what the story was with that. But with Lilith, particularly, she was made at the same time as Adam. She considered herself equal to Adam. And when they go to stoop, Lilith says, I'm not going to be on the fucking bottom. I'm equal to you. I want to be on top. And, and Lilith would go on in particularly like in the 19th century, 20th century and so and into today, Lilith often gets used uh, by, you know, feminists uh, of, you know, v- 
all kinds of different persuasions and waves, you know, from first wave to third wave to whatever, as a symbol of, you know, feminine power, right? Because of this folklore, you know, this story that exists around the character of Lilith. Um, and Adam, you know, refuses with Lilith. He absolutely refuses, says, oh, no, 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 that's not how this works. And Lilith says the unspeakable name of God. Okay, which you assume is the Tetragrammaton, um, maybe is the 120 character name of God. I mean, but anyway, the assumption is that's the Tetragrammaton that she ends up saying, you know, you know, YHWH and which nobody knows how to pronounce. Nobody. But Lilith knew, I guess, because when she does it, crazy shit happens. And she and she effectively transforms into this like night demon at this point. Okay. And is someone who, you know, historically, the story goes, is that she terrorizes, you know, she gives people lustful dreams, you know, sex dreams and everything. Like, if you have a wet dream, that's because of Lilith and so on. Uh, And she is also claimed to be kind of the start of a lot of vampiric lore. Uh, Also, the claim is that she's coming after your children and so on. And in fact, this is where, like in Kabbalah, where they wear the red string around their wrist, that is uh, part of a... uh, I mean, it's an offshoot from an amulet of effectively, you know, warding off um, Lilith. This is the whole concept around that. Okay, now, again, you only have it in Isaiah where it says Lilith, but then you have, you know, Midrash, you have folklore later that expounds upon the story of what the hell is that? Because that's the whole point of a lot of Midrash is, okay, we need to make sense of something that doesn't make sense within Torah. Right. Like, you know, you have. All right. How are there? There's Nephilim in Genesis chapter six, verse four. But then there's also Nephilim in the later books of Moses. How is this possible if the only people that existed on the earth were, you know, Noah and his sons and wives? So Midrash would say, actually, there was a Nephilim. There was a giant, a king that held on to. The, the side of the ark for 40 days and 40 nights, effectively. And that's how there are still giants after, um, you know, after the flood. That's how you explain that. And that's that's what Midrash generally does. OK. So Midrash was trying to explain, hey, what's this Lilith? Also, why does, as I said in user podcast again, my it's not like I was telling you a new idea. You know, you here here you have the rabbis saying, wait, why does why does Genesis chapter one re, or in their case better sheet why does that read so fucking weird and so different from what happens in chapter two? Well, their claim was is because they are two different stories, which is what I was saying. And so that you know they say in chapter one Lilith was created in chapter two Eve was created. Now, um, you, you know, and and that that's their way of of like trying to to explain that, and also like okay, what the hell is a Lilith that is in Isaiah thirty four? Now it gets weirder because in Qumran, you know, with, with the Dead Sea Scrolls, you found a fairly complete uh, edition of the Book of Isaiah. Um, I think it I I think they technically call it like the Greater Book or or it's the Great Isaiah Scroll. That's what they call it. It's going to say the Greater Book of Isaiah, but it's the Great Isaiah Scroll, which you can actually read. Uh, you know, it, at the um, museum in jerusalem um it's it's there for you know on display and in that versions you know chapter 34 verse 14 the word isn't lilith it's actually liliot it's a plural form of lilith so that raises a big problem right because here we have a very ancient version of you know a a part of torah 
certainly far more ancient than you know like the Masoretic text or whatever you know that would that, that ends up getting used well no the, the Masoretic text would be biblical hybraica is what, what ends up getting used for Torah sorry the Masoretic text that that's due to the New Testament don't mind me it's late at night <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, all right. So, you know, it, it, this is a very ancient version of the book and a legit one. Like, it's not unfair. Yes, it was something that was supposedly, you know, hidden by the Essenes, which was a separate Jewish religious sect at the time from uh, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. So you had three at the time, at least three at the time. Um, Kyrites probably didn't exist yet at that point. Uh, and, and there were others. I mean, there, there were definitely others. But you had the Essenes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. And, you know, they were kind of the big three of their day. Um, you know, at the time, they would have been the big three Abrahamic religions, right? Because there was no Christianity yet, and there certainly wasn't Islam. Uh, well, that depends on who you ask, because, you know, Islam would say it's always been there. But... <laughs> But anyway, you get my point. Uh, so the Essenes, you know, one could make the argument, well, the Essenes like translated it differently and there are different, you know, re religious sect within Judaism. So you can't exactly trust that. But that is interesting that, you know, they they put down, you know, in their version of Isaiah, it's actually a plural term. And this is something that happens a lot, actually, throughout that great scroll of Isaiah and, and throughout actually just the, the, the standard uh, Hebraic version of Isaiah is that. There's points where terms used for God are plural, which a lot of Christians want to point out and say, see, that means the Trinity is a real deal. I would argue not, but that's another story for another time. We're here to talk about Lilith. <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, now certainly, you know, women in New England in the 1600s, you know, in the 17th century would know nothing of the Dead Sea Scrolls. So that's inconsequential like if they're going to hear about Lilith they're going to hear probably about the singular form um, of Lilith now Lilith is well written about at this time okay the book of Zohar uh, a lot of Kabbalistic texts exists uh, and are being translated into other European languages at this at this time at this point and if I were to speculate Okay, where exactly women in New England would have heard about Lilith? I I mean, like, it's tough to talk about something as fact, but I would say they'd have to learn about it from the Dutch. Okay, at the time, especially in the 17th century, the Dutch Republic is white hot, right? I mean, you have the Dutch East India Company and so on, and they absolutely do come in. When did they first? Uh, shit. Like, it was up by Albany. Um, I can't think of the, of the name of it right now that they used to call it, but it was up by Albany where I, I you know, it was very early on in the 17th century, like, you know, 1610, 1615, something like that, where they, you know, they, they put their first, the Dutch put their first settlement. And of course they would go on to, you know, New York city was originally what new Amsterdam, right? Okay. So the Dutch are definitely a force in new England in the 17th century. Now the Dutch are not only that, but around the world, they are a force. They are the high class. Okay, they are and they are the learned. They are the scholars and just about every scientist, you know, I mean, and, and you read about like the, uh, uh, you know, the, the Huygens family, like Christian Huygens, Constantine Huygens and so on, you know, of the time and everything where you're just getting so many intellectuals uh, and so much collection of knowledge from around the world coming to the Dutch Republic, uh, partly because of the Dutch East India Company and, you know, the wealth that 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 allowed for the Dutch Republic. Um, I mean, this is a real fucking golden age. Okay. For, you know, for, for the, for the Dutch. And they would have 
And in fact, you know, pretty much later on um, that, yes, and, and around that time, they would have had access to Kabbalistic works and they would have wanted to read Kabbalistic works. And you do get that, uh, that, I mean, and certainly, you know, I mean, we're talking about the time of Spinoza and so on. I mean, you know, Jews are a deal in the Dutch Republic. They are a thing. So to say that, you know, someone was, you know, a Jew was working for the, you know, the Dutch East India Company came to the New World and would talk up, you know, some like, you know, get fanciful. As I mean, because understand, like, you know, like the meetings that would happen to like Christian Huygens house, you know, uh, between all the, you know, like Anton Leeuwenhoek would be there. You know, all these these, you know, major, major names in the Enlightenment would be there. Uh, they were totally, totally reading up on all of this stuff. In fact, many of them might be Rosicrucians. And that'd be a fun direction to go as well, is that the Rosicrucians certainly would have known. And there's definitely evidence for that, that they had, you know, I mean, they were dealing in Kabbalah. And so they would have had knowledge of Lilith. And so effectively, if some Rosicrucians or people who are interested in Rosicrucianism, which the people of the Dutch Republic would have been, came to New England, you know, came to the to the New World, to the Americas in the 17th century, in the 1600s. Okay, um, they would have some knowledge of Lilith. And because they were a people, the Dutch at the time, that were really, you know, very metropolitan. And I think one one could use the term progressive if you want. Um, I think they would have been pushing for perhaps some degree of like uh, feminism of a type. And Lilith could have come into the conversation in that way. I mean, you know, that, that's that's some assuming going on there. But I don't think it's a far logical leap to get into is that like I would attach it somehow to Rosicrucianism or you know, or if you wanted to go with Freemasonry, which lodges would have been a thing at that point. Okay. You could go with some kind of Freemasonry that is, you know, Freemasonry borrowed a lot from Rosicrucianism. That's, that's for sure. Uh, I mean, if you wanted to talk about like the Rosy cross, you know, within Rosicrucianism, like that symbol itself, uh, because that symbol is considered by, you know, later Kabbalistic works to be representative of various, uh, you know, Sephiroth and Lilith is a part of those Sephiroth. So yeah, I, that that's, that's where I would go with this. Like maybe, maybe even directly reference Rosicrucians because they would be the group and there's certainly, you know, they'd be a part of the Dutch that would have knowledge of Lilith. That that's how I, I would rock with that. Um, Freemasonry would be a little bit a bit of a, a problem if you went that because Freemasonry didn't, you know, historically did not allow women. Uh, so why a woman would know about it, you know, either her husband is talking about shit that he shouldn't be talking about outside of the lodge or what. Um, I, I think Rosicrucianism would be the interesting, you know, angle to go with that. That's that's just that's that's my opinion. What a great question. I love that, folks. Look, I consider myself absolutely to be a creative Um and I, I am more than happy to help support other creatives, especially with this kind of stuff, you know, bring out that wild shit. Uh, so anyway, I hope that that kind of works. If you have other questions, you feel free to PM me, the person that asked this question in the first place. You feel free to PM me and, you know, like we, we could figure it out a little bit deeper. But I think that was a fun thing to discuss, um, you know, how people would know about Lilith. I mean, the occult history of America is you know, not well documented, but fairly well documented. Like, I, I really think that there are very occult groups that were digging in their their claws into the Americas since since it was founded. 
you know, since, literally since the founding or, you know, or well, since the discovery, I should say. And when was the actual discovery since it was discovered by white folk? All right. <laughs> I think you had a call groups really digging their, you know, digging their their uh, their claws into and, and trying to lay claim to a lot of things. And in so laying claim to it, uh, trying to bring some of their occult prophecies or ideas to, you know, to a broader fruition. Um, I, I mean, I really, really feel that way. So and and I think that there's plenty of evidence for that, uh, like like too much. You know, it's, it's not always the best document. And there's times where it kind of disappears. Like, I mean, if the story were in the 18th century, I mean, you have the wildly I mean, like the, the Bavarian Illuminati scare in New England of 1798 is as real as it fucking gets. You know, like that was that was crazy. But, you know, again, you'd have to be in the later 18th century, uh, you know, to allow for that, that would be an easy one to run with, uh, because Lilith would be a part of that. Absolutely. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I hope that that answers it. If not, you know, ask me more and we can do, we can talk more about it privately, but there, there's some interesting history there to get into. Uh, people might not have known about the history of Lilith. I think I covered that. I tried to give something for everybody to really understand here, but bottom line being you patrons, you know, you control what gets the content of this of the show uh, of of especially of the Q and A. So, if it's something that's very specific to you, well, I'm going to answer something that's specific to you. So, anyway, uh, yeah, great conversation. I really enjoyed that. And and there, there's a lot more that could be said about Lilith, but you know, this isn't a whole episode about Lilith. Maybe that's something for the user podcast if uh, if people are actually interested in that. So, all right, uh, let's get into our um, we'll get into our album of the week, and then we'll wrap this baby up. Uh, and our album of the week, this is, so this is actually from 2017, but I found out about this band when I was looking into all the releases that came out on that infamous day that I've mentioned so many times now, October 19th, 2018, when there seemed to be a million, just a million fucking releases. And boy, there is even more. I'm discovering more as time goes on. Wicked Widow came out with a new album. Holy shit. I mean, it's just, there's just tons. So anyway, this is a band called either now on the albums themselves. It just says Phantom five or Phantom V, but you know, it's five on Amazon. They listed as the Phantom five. So whatever they decide to call themselves, I find it getting called both ways. But anyway, Phantom five, that's what I call them. That's what I tagged them in on my MP3s. <laughs> uh, they've had two albums. One came out actually October 13th, but not 2018, 2017. And then they had a previous one, I think, that came out in September of 2016, which was just a, uh, a self-titled album. But this 2017 album, like I said, I, I discovered it as, uh, as I was looking through all this other, um, you know, recent music that had come out and I'd found this band. One of the nice things, I, I think I was going to talk about this on my You Need Metal supplemental that came out a couple weeks ago, where I covered a ton of those albums that did come out. I don't think I got into it. One of the best ways to discover new music, don't, don't count on Spotify. Don't count on Google Play Music or anything like that. The only thing you can count on, for whatever reason, if you type in an album of some kind on in Amazon and then scroll down to, you know, their suggestions or customers who bought this also bought this, and that's the best one because it's not the music industry, right? It's not the music industry telling you what to buy because that's what all the other apps do. That's what Spotify does. That's what Google Play Music does and so on. They're just pushing whatever the latest Drake album or whatever other horse shit is out there, okay? Um, 
though Katy Perry's not horseshit. But and, and you get my point. There, you know, nor is Britney Spears. Woo, oh, baby. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, they're pushing all that on Amazon. It literally just shows you customers who bought this also bought. And so when you find like a really rare rock album, you're going to find what other fans like you, you know, that bought that album are also buying. And that's where you find the gems, the jewels of, you know, especially within metal and hard rock and so on, as far as music goes. And that's, again, that's how I found out about Phantom five. And so I, I, you know, I looked into it. Um, I didn't, well, anyway, I found their first album. I thought the first album was, was tremendous. And so then I picked up their second album and this is the second album from 2017. It's called play to win by Phantom five. This is 11 tracks that just kick your ass from track one to track 11. It's some of the best driving music, some of the best workout music, some of the best fucking music. I mean, that you're just going to find. It is tremendous. Opens right up with this uh, song called The Change in You, which is just, it's just dripping, dripping with hedonism. Like, we are godless, we are this, and, and it, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bad, and it, it's totally like 80s style hard rock. You know, or metal, depending on what term you want to use. Uh, but a great melody. Uh, the singer is kind of raspy. Not like he doesn't have the high pitch of Stephen Piercy, but maybe the best comparison would be like a Janie Lane from like Warrant, you know, where he has like a little bit of a rasp to his voice and it works. It, I mean, it almost sounds more like Piercy. Stephen Piercy had a new album come out too just recently oh, fuck uh, anyway i love rat we're such a fan of, of that band uh but yeah anyway opens up with the change in you then it goes into crossfire and these are all great songs you know about about whatever love and sex and again hedonism and everything um then there's uh, baptized is the third track fourth one is read your mind um baptized is a really cool song like some of the, including in their first album which is a self-titled album for phantom five some of it is very self-aware talking about the history of metal like there's songs that will reference the good old days when Dio was around and Judas Priest and you know whatever else uh, and I, I love that personally I am all on board with that if you want to take me down you know down memory lane in your music that sounds like you know the music from when I was younger etc even though I never stopped listening to this kind of music and it still gets made to this day obviously that's why I'm talking about this album here uh you know I am I am totally on board with that kind of self-awareness and that kind of insular uh attitude within metal itself it's one of the reasons I love Manowar right because like Manowar is kind and it's, somebody's going to say what about Nanowar of Steel yeah I know Nanowar don't worry <laughs> but but I, I love that where like it's metal for metal's sake just like with Star Trek I love Star Trek Voyager because Star Trek Voyager is about Star Trek. Like it's Star Trek for Star Trek's sake. And I know not everybody likes that. People want something that has a broader appeal, you know, that can mean something to everybody. I don't need that. I don't need that. You know, I mean, that has its place and there's other bands that can do it. But I am totally on board with bands that are going to sing about their genre of music, make it insular and whatever, you know, and, and have like inside references and all that. I am so fucking on board with that. And Phantom Five... They don't do it with every song, but they do it with a few and it works. And I, and I, I really, I mean, this is like your fist is just going to start pumping as soon as you open up with the change in you. And it's such a badass and empowering uh, song. 
and but it's not exactly power metal right like it doesn't go into fantasy it sticks within quote unquote the real world uh and i, I just i love it so this is a, a tremendous tremendous album um i think i talked about like maybe that i'd give band of the year to was it vega that i was going to i don't well i mean they they actually released their album 2018 this is from 2017 boy if i could go back and pick my album of 2017 it would probably be play to win by phantom five because this is a this is just a hard-hitting album um that you know and fun a very very fun album and do check out their 2016 they have two albums get both of them they're both they're both fantastic uh but play to win they really took it to another level and it's a lot it it's the first album's a little on the cheesy side, which I don't mind, but I know where other people do. It's a little on the cheesy side, maybe borders on the two insular, like almost to the Nanowar kind of, not Manowar, but Nanowar as Nanowar Steel, kind of insular, like almost to where it, like it could be seen as parody, like a Steel Panther or a Loud Lion. Um, but no, you know, when you get to play to win, this is serious as a heart attack, and it's but it's fun. You know, and, and that's that's maybe one of the best compliments I could give an album is that it's fun. So play to win uh, from 2017 by uh, by the Phantom Five talking about it a year later. But, hey, at least we're talking about it. I'm guarantee you no other podcast is or I can't imagine what Eddie Trunks never talked about it. So I'll put it out there. I think they're from like Norway or something or the Netherlands, which is kind of fitting. Right. We we're just talking about the Dutch. <laughs> I don't know that they're from there, but but anyway, I, I I love it. Just just some great riffs and everything. It's a great time. Very sexy. So okay, uh, that'll wrap it up for this Wednesday Q and A. Um, of course, if you hear this uh, pretty well pretty soon after release, uh, your our our monthly live hangout Q and A for Sovereign Tech patrons uh, is going to happen on Thursday. Usually, it's on a Sunday. It's going to be happening on a Thursday uh, this time around. It's at five p.m. on it's November fifteenth. And, uh, well, anyway, I will see you there for that. We'll have a great time and plenty more to come out throughout the month of November. So that's it for me. I will see all of you on the other side.